right, welcome to another episode of Under the Dome, the home of the Houdat Nation. I'm your host, Alan Oreck. We're coming off a nice bye week. How was your vacation, Sean? Oh, doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, better than some in, in our uh, division, but we won't, uh, we won't call any names. Uh, well, <laughs> as tonight's episode is named, uh, Bye Bye Vacation, and it's time for a winning streak to start. And uh, we really need to get something started here. And. If we're going to make anything out of this season at all, which the jury seems to still be out on, uh, it's going to have to begin this week. Much to the chagrin of our uh, our guest this evening, uh, we want to welcome in from the Carolina Cat Chronicles, Mr. Tony Dunn. Mr. What's Cat up, fellas? Chronicles, the professor. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. I watch it all the time. I'm, uh, I, I come to you guys usually to hear other people moan and cry and whine about their team, but it sounds like I'll be doing more of that this evening than anybody. Well, I have to admit, I've watched more Carolina Panthers football over the past two weeks than I have uh, probably the past two years. I watched, I watched that at, that Atlanta game uh, last weekend, then I watched the uh, – because that was before the Saints game. And then I watched the uh, the Monday night game last night. And uh, unlike the rest of America who probably went to bed early, I actually stayed up and watched it all the way to the bitter end. Oh, me too. Me too. <sighs> okay, first right. things first, Tony. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, in terms of your uh, your Carolina cat. Or, excuse me, your Carolina Panthers. Uh, bear with me. Uh, of Cam moving forward to next week, is there any uh, information on his condition as of yet? Yeah, I think the, everybody's trying – well, they need some optimism in Carolina right now. So early reports are that he will be a go or he could be a go this week. Uh, you don't know with the concussion protocol – they're so weird about it and they don't really, you know, they know so little about concussions, I think, and, and the symptoms and if they're diagnosed properly, like as soon as they say you have a concussion, they just are very cautious with you. Cam Newton was out riding a Segway though yesterday. So that's gotta be good. I I can remember a year ago when we, uh, when we went into that first matchup against Carolina, um, I believe that was at Carolina last year, the first matchup, when uh, Drew Brees was out and we went with McCown. I can remember that uh, Keekley, if I don't, if I remember correctly, Keekley was out in the concussion protocol at that time, wasn't he? And yeah, yeah. wound up missing like three, wound up missing like, I want to say about two to three games with that. Yeah, it was three weeks last year with Keekley. When he got his concussion, he was kind of flopping around like a fish, and he didn't know where he was at. We were at that game. That was in the opening. That was the opener against Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Cam, uh, when he got hit in, in that Atlanta game, I mean, you know, I think he was knocked out, like, temporarily and somehow kept his feet and got the two-point conversion. Crazy. Um, you know, we love we love to ha- uh, have him back, but having him alone isn't the answer to all the problems. 
that's my question. Sure. What, sure. what would you say is the, the biggest problem with the Carolina Panthers right now? Is it just losing Josh Norman or the problems a lot deeper than that? No, the problems are far deeper than Josh Norman. Well, that's the easiest one to see because the roster has to reflect it with three rookies. Um, and that we have no veteran presence in the secondary and then guys are torching us for 300 yards. Obviously that's, um, that's a critical weakness, but you know, for the Carolina Panthers, all the strength always comes with the uh, offensive and defensive lines. And uh, both right now are playing poorly. The offensive line has got injuries with Michael Orr, who is suffering for, he missed his second game with a concussion who would have known that we would have missed Michael Orr so much, uh, you know, is he's not – he's average at best, and he's a terrible run blocker. But the other guys that we have are just horrendous, and that is Mike Rimmers, who we've moved over from the right tackle to the left. And it's just false start, false start galore. Even the good players aren't playing that well. So on the offensive line – you know, you're lacking continuity. You're already got guys that were average, and then you're trying to test the depth of the line, and it's not a good thing. On the defensive line, the names are there, but the production isn't. You know, right now our leading sack guy is uh, Kyle Love, and he's only been on the team two weeks. So wow. Coney Ely, a bust. Uh, Kwan Short is getting double teamed, and Charles Johnson is old. What about uh, Stahl Latui? Uh, what's going on with him? You know, I expected him to have a great year this year because um, he's going to be in a contract year. And uh, But, you know, he's kind of a typically a run stuffer more than he is a pass disruptor. So it's he doesn't get a lot of the credit um, that maybe some of the other guys get. You know, um, that they don't have the sexy role or whatever, but he looks lean. I saw him out in pass coverage or something weird in the last game, uh, but no, not enough pressure. And I think when you have, when you have defensive ends that the tackles can manage alone um, and you don't have to worry about pushing that guard to help on an inside move at all, you know, they really have a lot easier time lining up against uh the two defensive tackles when you got two guards in a center to work on them. My God. It sounds like us. Uh, it sounds like us. The movable object meets the resistible force. Uh, yes. Sunday. Uh, I mean, really? Uh, but go ahead. Go ahead with your question here, Sean. I, I was just going to ask how my man uh, Vernon's doing. Oh, he's out with a high ankle sprain, and they put him on the I, that short-term IR where you get, I guess it's six weeks or something like that, or yeah. six uh, games. Um, it's six games. Six well, games I just practice two weeks. Yeah. Because we have the same I thing just, on, uh, our number one pick, Sheldon Rankins. Our number one pick's out with that, and he won't be in this week. Uh, whenever he does decide to show uh, – can be can practice, they have two weeks, and then you can activate him, so – we have the same. Uh, I just got a uh, an update from um, a buddy of ours, uh, John Pinto, our director of media relations. Uh, oh, <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Pinto. He, he said, yeah, he said that uh, just coming across the wire right now, Eric Harris is out for the season with an ACL. 
Eric Harris. Wait, I don't know who of, that is. Of the, of the Jets? No, our safety. Oh, you know, Devin Bros, buddy. Oh, 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 I'm like, I'm like, okay, all right, all right. He must think. Well, it, I mean, it wasn't Drew Brees, but come on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the linebacker of the Jets. It didn't occur. It didn't click to me because it's a different. You know, this show. is a. You know, this is a Saint show. Yes, I know. Well, I know. Well, Tony, Tony's, Tony's just. They're looking at me like, hey, wasn't the Carolina Panther? I know. I don't. I've got. I've got. Yeah, I've got my. I've got my head wrapped around the Carolina Panthers roster right now. So I'm like going, who? Okay, He's not on the Carolina Panthers. So there we go. Nope. Okay, now that, that makes sense. That lucky makes sense. him right. for those. Yeah. Just, just okay. for the record, I'll, I want to clear it up for everybody. Just for those who aren't aware, Tony is a uh, part of the group that sponsors our show the fan first productions they made it they were the ones who in their infinite wisdom believed in our product so much that they got behind us and <laughs> showed us uh, showed a lot of faith in us and gave us the opportunity to to do what we do and we thank them so much for that opportunity uh and as i say this is one of, of our of course uh, we do. Yeah, we One do of thank our, you. Our major sponsors, but we we journalistic integrity. If we gave him a slack because he's he's from uh, he's a Carolina Panthers guy, so yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had uh, just as hard a time <laughs> saying that with a straight face as I do. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so I need yeah. to know about this. So what, I want to ask you guys about the placement out. So. Okay, yeah. what about the Saints? I need to know about this is how can your defense be so bad? It's it's injured. much like yeah, it's much like what you're describing. You 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 have injured players who are your frontline people, then you have average to below average backups coming in to take their place. And when you have that and you don't have pass rushers on the end, and you're expecting your defensive tackles to get pushed up the middle, and you don't have depth in your secondary, you expose yourself to a lot of yardage and a lot of big plays. Um, I do have- Well, I, I, th- I think that we had going in, coming out of camp, going into, uh, into the season, we had a little bit of what in normal circumstances would have been considered reasonable depth but at the same time when when your depth is consisted of undrafted free agents and rookies it is what it is and if you you roll the dice and you take your chances on that if you get down to the point where these are the guys that you're having to put on the field for whatever reason be that injury or whatever if you roll the dice and take your chances with these guys you're going to get what you get i mean well, you know, I'm going to have experience out there and experience is going to come at a very high price and it's going to be trial by fire. Aside from that, you lost your top five cornerbacks that you expecting to go into the season with. Now, bro may come back uh, sooner than later, but the other ones aren't coming back. Um, you lose those five. You got your well, your starting defensive end is Paul Kruger, who got cut from the Browns. Uh, and he got picked up a week before the regular season starts. You know that, that that's that's a lot of your problems, and you lose your number one draft pick, who's supposed to be your starting defensive tackle. 
Uh, and your linebackers are not – one linebacker is very good. The other ones are just average to below average right now. Um, that's why you're going to have a, another historically bad defense. And there, there's a little bit of hope. There's a glimmer of hope that you're going to get Bro back from his broken leg. You're going to get Rankins back from his broken leg. And one day for about 45 of the 55, 59 minutes we play football, you're going to have Danelle Ellaby out there playing linebacker. Uh, you might see some improvement in the defense. But, I mean, it, We're hoping it's to get just, him for a national anthem just once. I mean, he's a guy that when he's out there, he's your best linebacker. He's He can run sideline to sideline. He's instinctive. He can smell out plays. He can make tackles, but he can't stay healthy. He's and fine. when he's injured, he's out for three and four weeks at a time, if not longer. So what good does he really yeah. do you? Because he's always injured. Ellerby is by far the best linebacker that we have. Uh, if you've taken everything into consideration, coverage, uh, instincts, like like he was just saying, Ellerby is by far the best. But also, getting back to what he just said, if he's not on the field, he's not. No matter how good he is, he's not doing you any good as a team. Now you go from Ellerby to Michael Marty. I would say. Oh, I was going to say when Ellerby is not playing, you, you you go to Michael Marty out there as a starter. That's a special teams linebacker. So that's what you're really best, playing with, but. I would say the best after uh, Danell Ellerby would, without a doubt, be uh, Robertson. He's a guy. You know, go ahead. I I find it just interesting to see this. When uh, what stunned me with the Carolina Panthers is that when you have guys that were in the starting role who were just okay, you know, they weren't fantastic. And then the drop-off from a guy to their backup is so distinct and noticeable. I'm just still surprised to see that. You know, that is – we. I always thought, man, we need to make the roster bigger in the NFL and allow some more players out there. Absolutely. So you're not cutting everybody, but it doesn't sound like there are – quality starters just everywhere you know what i mean and well, the drop off is significant to in me today's league in today's <clears throat> league of specialization 53 players is not a big enough roster well it's 45 on game day yeah yeah, yeah they got a yeah. it it's Here. not big enough because you got guys that are only going on the field on Third downs, if it's this far to go, and if it's maybe a passing down, and if this and if that. You got guys that are suiting up to play three or four plays a whole damn game. And if if that's what it – it is what it is. If that's what it is, then fine. But you don't have enough roster space for the people that you need. I've never believed that. Well, here, here's here's sorry, the thing. Go oh, I was gonna say here's the thing for me, and I I blame the new CBA agreement. Uh, a friend of mine on Facebook today went on a rant about football and how bad it is and how diluted the product is, and she's referring to a lot of things we're just talking about with uh, the lack of depth. So if you get a few 
injuries, which every team does, but you get a few injuries and suddenly now you have this drop off of quality players. And what's happened with the CBA and with the way they changed the, the cap, you have players like a Drew Brees, like an Andrew Luck, uh, making a lot of money. Okay. Then you've got the rookies on the bottom who are the cheap players because we've now have a structured uh, sal- structured salary for rookies that the the middle class players, the kind of players that you like to have on your team, um, you know, in the Saints case, the Scott Fajitas, the Scott Shanleys, the, um, you know, the, the, the guys who aren't going to be your studs, but they're quality starters. And I'm sure they have the same thing in Carolina. Those players got squeezed out because they become too expensive to keep. Yeah. You know, you have to you have to allocate so much money to your star players that it's a lot cheaper just to fill your roster up with rookies, undrafted free agents, and guys who are like second year kind of players that may have gotten cut from another team. And that's what you've got now is your depth. Your drop your drop off from your starter to your second string guy is a lot worse than it was, say, five, ten years ago. And I think right. that's what I see. And I, I think you're seeing that in, this, in, the, in the quality of play. because it, And your top-tier oh, teams that you see – your top – I was just saying that in, your top-tier teams that you see competing for the Super Bowl every year, your Seattle Seahawks, your New England Patriots, are the teams where the drop-off second team is less than it is for teams like, say, New Orleans or Carolina in this case. Well, uh, I, I kind of put New England in a separate category because Bill uh, Bill Belichick has a machine in there. I don't know what he does, but he has a machine with players. He just – Bill Belichick he, is the devil. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you take a team like Denver, and look at that. Look how Denver fell apart. Now, granted, it was just a quarterback, and that quarterback had never started before, and then you put a rookie in there who was never started before. And the difference in the quality of quarterback play was astounding. And it wasn't like Denver's starting quarterback was doing a whole heck of a lot to begin with, but he was making the plays that Paxton Lynch did not make against Atlanta. And, uh, you know, you can't – they couldn't afford to have a quality backup, you know, unless you get a uh, Mark Sanchez or some sort of retread. You know, you can't have – a good veteran backup anymore that they're going to be looking for another starting job somewhere. They're looking for money and you can't afford them. Tony's so. sitting there grinning because I mean, just from right here, I see him grinning and that looks to me like somebody that's, Hey, we've already played Denver. Y'all have no idea what you're in store for. <laughs> I don't want to play Tony, them ever again. You know, I, I was amazed. I was amazed. Well, we can talk about Atlanta all all evening, but I'm, I'd rather not. Um, I'd rather have a root canal than give Atlanta any props. But uh, I have to say, I was shocked at the way Tampa was able to run the football against Carolina. Uh, you know, with, that's with a the, great observation. With an ex-Falcons running back. I mean, a guy who wasn't even good enough to make the Falcons. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a guy who was on the street a few days or ago. Or the Bears. Or the Bears, I believe. Or the Bears, yeah. yeah. I mean, so 
Yeah, Jacquez Rogers, who by the way I picked up in fantasy. Uh, before, well, he's not playing. He's not playing Carolina again. I don't think. I know, but I needed a running back last night, and it worked. Uh, so, oh, good, good, yeah, good uh, move. Look here. Here's What's the it? thing: is I've always <laughs> said this with the Carolina Panthers defense is that our defense, what it requires is us. To, there's two elements that we really need for it to do to to be successful and to be as shut down and dominant as you've seen in the past. Number one is to be able to generate pressure when you rush four. When we start having to blitz, and we've had to blitz like 60% more than we did last year because we can't get any pressure, um, the savvy quarterbacks, the smart ones, they just throw at the blitz. And uh, that's what Matt Ryan did to us. Wherever the guy was coming from, he just threw it to that side of the field, to wherever the receiver was, and you had, and he had the man-on-man matchup, and usually his guys were winning. So you got to be able to get that pressure. But the other thing that is not given credit for with this Carolina Panthers or this scheme is we have to stop the run with those first with that front four as well. If we have to start trotting up Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, or Shaq Thompson into the box to help with run support because the guys can't get it done without them, what that does is it really limits the greatest asset of our defense, which is our linebacker core, who we allow to – what we in an ideal world, we want to have Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis sit in the middle of the field and react. Like no, sure. no game planning. Every now and then you'll send them on the double A the, – what is it, the double A gap blitz or whatever – but for the most part, they're just going to look at the quarterback, and if it's a run play, they're going to react to the run. If it's a passing play, they're going to react in that way. But when they have to be schemed into a run-stopping attack, it takes that away, and then people can pick on us. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, watched, I completely agree. I watched there was one play. It was early in the game. I thought John Gruden was going to lose his mind when he saw it. It was a uh, like a pulling guard play, and it was it, it was executed the exact way you would draw up on the board. The the guard kicked out, and he came across, nailed the defensive tackle. The fullback hits the hole, and he hits Keekley dead center, puts Keekley on his backside, and then Rogers cuts right off that block and goes upfield where there's nobody there. And it was the end zone view from the offensive perspective. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe, first off, that guard, pulling guard kick out that defensive tackle so easily, and then the fullback flattening Keekley. Uh, and, and just I, I was amazed because that just didn't happen last year. Last year, if they tried a trap play, Keekley was in that hole so fast that he was there for the handoff, you know, and it, yeah. Just, yeah. it wasn't happening, you know, it, and – I think you're probably going to see a heavy dose of Mark Ingram um, this Sunday. Especially you guys can't downs. ever do that. There's never you you did that for one season and never went back. Yeah, well, you don't have Deuce McAllister anymore. That's probably the uh, the biggest reason why. Um, yeah, we do like to throw the ball. We do like to throw yeah. the ball. That's 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 a gift. We've got this guy. 
we've got this guy that we we've had for a, a little while. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, his name he wears number nine. His name is Bree. <laughs> I know how he, he is, of, but you know a lot of pressure. You ask him to throw four hundred yards every week, and. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Ingram had that year where you guys signed him to the extension that one year. I don't know. Was but that was that Peyton's first year back from his suspension or whatever? Where um, it seemed no, like no. He, no, that was that was two years ago in his contract year. Yeah, because yeah. the uh, whole on, offensive on game agency. plan, the whole offensive game plan seemed to funnel and run through Mark Ingram more that year. And you go, I can't believe, I can't believe Sean Payton is calling this. And then uh, back to same old Sean Payton when anybody uh, tries to draft those guys for their fantasy football team. <laughs> well, uh, well, Tony, yeah, let me that, ask you this. I'm sorry. T- go ahead, Alan. Oh, well, I was just going to say, you should know by now, the only two players that forever that worth drafting for the Saints in fantasy football are Drew Brees, Marcus Colston for a long time, and then Jimmy Graham. And after that, don't draft anybody else because uh, one week they're going to light up your scoreboard. Next week they may catch one pass. So it's it was I, – I never touched – as much as I love the Saints, I think the only people I've ever drafted from the Saints in fantasy football were uh, – I think I drafted Drew Brees one year and I had uh, Jimmy Graham his contract year. I got up. I got Brandon Cooks on my team this year. I need him. Well, he might be great he against may, the Panthers. He, he may he, do well. The the one Saint that I would say would be worth their weight in gold in fantasy football right now would be Michael Thomas. Yep. Uh, well, yeah. Tony, let me ask you this question. Uh, actually, I I have two questions for you. First and foremost, um, in in light of your Carolina Panthers, um. Do you think it's more of the league catching up with what you guys did a year ago or your team coming coming back off of what, if that makes any sense? Has your team changed or has the, has the league just caught up with you guys and what you were doing a year ago? I think it's our team. Like, I mean, I want to give a lot of credit – uh, to Denver's defense, I want to give a lot of credit to Minnesota's defense and Atlanta's offense. But at the same time, every time I – well, I never want to give any credit to the Atlanta Falcons. But <laughs> what, There you go. But what I mean is this – I, I feel like at the end of the day, like if we had to change anything in a game, it would be something about our own team, not about the other team. You know, I don't feel sure. like anybody uh, – we shouldn't be being outclassed. I don't think they caught up with us. I think that uh, everything went right last year, and it was – we were very fortunate. We were really good. We we evaded the injury bug. That was one thing is, um, you know, injuries are – they really tell the tale of a season to come. And, you know, uh, right now our starting quarterback's out – Nothing's really going right, but I really think this is a personnel problem. I think that our GM just counted too much on things going as well as they did last year, particularly on the offensive line and the defensive line. And, and you know, I know hindsight's twenty twenty and all of this, but Mike Rimmers 
was terrible in the Super Bowl, and he struggled late in the season. Michael Orr was on skates in the Super Bowl. You know, I just kind of go – I felt like, yeah, they played well. You don't want to cut them because you don't want to be mean, and they didn't, like, lose their jobs. But, you know, it would have helped to have an upgrade there or at least a guy that has some experience behind them. And then, likewise, you're expecting uh, Coney Ely – some that maybe our maybe our general manager just got too high in the Super Bowl about some of the things like what he saw, K Short, Coney Ely. And if you thought those guys are gonna get twenty sacks together and they haven't gotten you anything in the beginning, uh he miscalculated and then the secondary issue, it's just been a mess. And I think it's nine I think it's probably seventy five percent personnel. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's funny because oh, I'm sorry, Sean. I was going to say it's funny because you know, I think there's this balance that all GMs go through because we kind of went through this in 2010 after we won the Super Bowl. They're afraid to mess with the chemistry that they think right. they've got the right winning chemistry. So if you make some changes, thinking you're going to get that's what's going to take get you over the hump. Um, that all of a sudden you know you've kind of screwed up your team now that you've actually gotten worse and better when you try to make improvements. So they, right. They're afraid to touch anything. And I think that's probably well, what that you see in Carolina. That, yeah, that's exactly that it. Overriding, that overriding uh, train of thought is you don't want to fix it unless it's broken. But in the National Football League, if you don't address it before it's broken, then you're costing your organization time to fix it after it's broken. Yeah, yeah, you can't let it you can't let it fully break. You can't let it fully break. I do want to ask you guys something about what did you guys think about um coming off the bye week? The Panthers are spiraling the toilet and then the line comes out today and the Panthers are favored by 3. But how does that make I mean, come on. How do they even put that line out there? Uh it, it's it should have been a pick them. It should have well, been. Go ahead. I was going to say it should have been because a home team normally gets a three-point sure. favor. So they're actually thinking the Saints are going to lose by six. I mean, right. if you really look at that schedule, I mean, that, that line. And they're really assuming, I guess, that you know that Cam Newton's going to be back, that the Saints defense is not going to be able to stop them. So it's going to have to be a track meet. And not getting off the field against the Falcons – uh, last time they were at home on third down, they think that's the way that it's going to keep Drew Brees off the field. Um, you know, I'll be surprised that line stays at three. I expect it probably to drop down to probably one and a half by Sunday, by the noon kickoff. Um, the Saints don't have the dome field advantage anymore. because no, was, no, you guys actually play worse in the dome over the last two years. Yes. Uh, I mean, 2011-2013, you're undefeated at home, and then you've pretty much been mediocre ever since. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the offense not being as explosive as it used to be. It's not a machine. Uh, But the other thing has to do with the defense just not stopping anybody. Um, All they used to have to do is get at least one or two stops on third down or get at least a couple of turnovers and the saints would just start rolling teams. You know, they would get that, they get the ball, they kick off, get the ball, uh, 
in the last two minutes of a ball game, score a touchdown, get the kickoff in the second half, score another touchdown, and now the team is 14 points behind when they were, or 17 points behind, where they may have only been three points behind. And you just don't see that anymore in the Superdome. So, you know, I, you know Alan, Alan made reference to it a little while ago. Um, but everything that, I mean, we focused a lot tonight on the Panthers team and their shortcomings and, and their, uh, what's gone wrong with their season. But, you know, Alan jokingly made reference, but it, it, it's very realistic at, at the same time. Everything that's going wrong for you guys already has gone wrong for us this season as well. Uh, for us to to open as a three-point uh, underdog on the line at home, that, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, and we have nothing, no room but up to go. Um, I think that there's a lot of optimism week that maybe we've, we've gotten some players healthy that some of these, uh, these positions where injuries have decimated the, the quality starts that we had in mind from training camp and, and from the preseason, uh, those positions that we thought we had sewn up only to find out that somebody got hurt and they're screwed uh, hopefully this bye week is going to do some some positive work in, in that regard. But, uh, you know, this is good. This is going to be a dogfight. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Well, you know, the, the last two games, and we're just going to go by last season, the last two games the Saints played against Carolina, it really came down to two plays. It came down to – uh, the last second interception by Josh Norman against Brandon yeah. Cooks in Carolina. What an, ama- what an amazing play that was. Oh, my goodness. Right. I know that had then, all out, but, well, I mean, he was yeah. open. He was open. Right. It just the <laughs> ball was just a little underthrown, which was just enough for Norman to make that incredible catch. And then the other yeah. one is uh, the fourth down play to, um, to uh, Greg Olson, you know, um, Cam Newton is rolling out, and he's running out of space real fast. We've got the rush on him. He's going to get hit, and he lobs that ball out. And, you know, Tony, you can argue with me all day long about this. I swear that ball hit the ground because I was there. But, uh, (laughs) you know, Olsen catches the ball right there on fourth down when, you know, and that, that saved the game because the Saints would have gotten the ball back was not the game of the win, and they didn't get it. So, you know, it's it really came down to two plays, and I think uh, the greatest compliment came from Luke Keekley when they asked him what happened with the defense. He said, I'll tell you what happened. Drew Brees is what happened. So, I mean, it, it's – the game will be that close. I, I don't, That's why I say it's going to be one and a Always. half points. One and a half points. I still think – they probably still think Carolina's defense is better than our offense, and our defense can't stop anybody. And I think See, that's I what- disagree. I disagree. Like, I'm going to take the Saints on this one. And uh, until the Panthers give me a more reason, any reason to to hope for something, right now I don't see this team getting any better. And, and now you're going to be talking about going against the guy who I acknowledge as an elite quarterback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, I think he's like crap. 
<laughs> and, I, and, and some of that, a lot of that is biased. But the fact is, is that um, I, I know Drew, Drew Brees and I know he's great. And if you give him an opportunity, he's going to dissect. And he's going to take these young rookies apart. And the thing that concerns me uh, a lot about this, Alan, is that um, last year in that game where Josh Norman had that pick, you guys came in. I was listening to one of the Saints podcasts, the Happy Hour podcast, the week before, and they were talking about how Streif or whatever his name was, the, the right tackle. Yeah, Zach Street, that's right, Zach Street. He couldn't stop any – the week before, he got just embarrassed, you know what I mean, just beat like seven mm-hmm. times. And then yeah, they come and play – Yeah, they come and play Carolina, and we can't get a sack against you guys. You know what I mean? Like we had no pressure. So if we – I mean, that shows you what happens. If you can't get pressure, guys are going to run the ball on you, and then you can even give whichever McCown that is – uh, an opportunity <laughs> to beat you. Yeah, that was, that was Luke. That's the uh, yeah, that's the that's the good one. So <laughs> Luke's always yeah. good for one game a year. That's hey. right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I know Tony, you have to go soon. Um, but uh, one last question before you go, uh, Jonathan Stewart. What is the story on him? Is he going to make an appearance in this game? Because uh, that really affects your uh, read option with if Cam's in there, but Jonathan Stewart isn't. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say no. Like I haven't uh, heard any uh, timetable for him coming back. I think they said he was running in the pool and pulling the sled some last week. Uh, you know, with his hamstring, I mean, he's had these lingering injuries before. I, yeah. I could see them playing it safe, but you're right. You nailed it. Is that for some reason Cam and Stewart can run that read option? They have a good chemistry together on on that with each other. Certainly While Cameron did. Artis Payne, who who doesn't have that, who I love as a running back, and I think has been trashed by Panther fans uh, and not given an adequate shot, he just doesn't have that same feel. It just doesn't look smooth. A lot of times they're kind of bumping into each other when they're doing it. And, you know, that's the one thing is we didn't call that play too much last year, but when we did, it was just so deadly. And, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and it really, that limits, you know, that makes it so your defensive end can bear down a little bit more when you don't, right. when he doesn't have to hold up and hold up for that. And right now, this is the thing is that teams are just pinning their ears back against the Panthers and rushing off the edge every time. And uh, until you, I mean, even our running backs, they can't chip. Uh, Greg Goldson, God love him. He's amazing. He had a great game last night. He's the best, arguably the best Panther right now. He, he can't block. Most consistent. Yeah. He just can't he's the, block. He's the most consistent. Thank you so, for saying that. Thank you for saying that because you know, I've argued with people on Saints forums. I said, look, you've got two types of tight ends. You've got your pass catchers and you've got your blockers. Very rarely do you have one who can do both. And There's only was, been one ever. Yeah. There's only been one ever as Tony Gonzalez. Well, I wouldn't even say Tony Gonzalez. I would go back, you know, into the 70s and the 60s yep. when you're talking about, you know, people like uh, uh, John Mackey and Mike Ditka and people like that. 
Right. Because most of them are just pure pass catchers. Uh, yep. Especially these former basketball players. And, you know, it, that was a big knock on Jimmy Graham was, you know, the guy can't pass block, the guy can't block. I'm like, but he catches touchdowns. You know, yep. the last that's not what I you have him for. Right. That's the last time I looked, for. touchdowns are what wins you games. You know, so yep. it's just, uh, but yeah. Tony. I mean, I appreciate Tony, we, that. Tony, we want to thank you for uh, for joining us tonight. Tell everybody Absolutely. on our audience how we can how they can follow you you and your work, brother. Uh, you can always check out the latest Panther news and opinions from the fan perspective at CarolinaCatChronicles.com and follow uh, me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Uh, I can't guarantee I'll be nice to a Saints fan, but <laughs> it'll it will be fun. The banter back and forth. Like I said, uh, well, I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's the uh, resistible force meeting the movable object. So you know, it's oh, gonna be a hell of a game on Sunday. <laughs> All right, you guys have a good night. I'll talk to you later on this evening. Thank actually, thank you All very right. much, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Well, we that's have always fun. fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, we're gonna have to get. Uh, our Falcon fan back in here because we didn't get him for the game. I think he was preparing for the worst. And he's now got the best. So his head's probably this big, you know? So yeah, uh, I'm going to get Josh. Uh, the screen will be enough to fill it. I'm going to get Josh before it's over with you. Big yeah. time me, buddy. We're going to, we're going to nail your hide to the wall. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what look, I was going to, I would, one thing I was going to ask Tony, but we didn't have time for, Maybe we'll get to it. Uh, and for those who, who aren't aware, um, and I meant to make this announcement at the beginning of the show. I, I just d- didn't think about it. Uh, following tonight's show of Under the Dome, we will be, Alan and I both will be joining Tony, our guest that just signed off, and his partners on the Carolina Cat Chronicles podcast, and we will be their guests. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, that, so we'll be under the microscope. That way, asking us, what's wrong with the Saints? You know, so yeah. it should be fun tonight. Uh, should be fun tonight. I, I've asked this question before, Alan, and um, I'll ask you rather than ask Tony. Once again, a, a week later, we're now what five weeks into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe that Atlanta is the team to beat in the NFC South. For now, yeah, for now. You know, a lot can happen between uh, now and the end of the season. I'm not not saying that Atlanta probably won't win the division, but Atlanta's done this before. They've started 5-0, they've started 7-0, and uh, collapsed later on. Uh, they even had the number one seed a couple of times in the playoffs and uh, still lost. Um, you know, this – that defense is not that good. Uh, for whatever reason, they just beat the hell out of Denver's offensive line last week. And um, that oh, I'll, really... go, I'll go a step further. I, I don't think they're good at all. And you take, well, you take into consideration now that they're without uh, Witherspoon and uh, one or two others. They're, they're in even worse shape than they were when they played us. And I think right. that – they were uh, uh, just 
maybe this much above what we were in that game. What's going to happen is they're going to run into a team that can move the ball in that defense. I mean, I still don't think they've stopped the draw play yet for the Saints. The Saints played them again. They still couldn't stop the draw with Mark Ingram. Um, the, the reason why we lost that game is we couldn't get off the field on third down. If you can't sure. get off the field on third down, they're going to score every time. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, sure. And I've always pointed to two or three plays that were the difference in the ball game. The uh, pass interference call when it was deep in their end zone um, on third down, that was that was a key play. And then on fourth and one, the play that they killed uh, Stephon Anthony on with that little dump-off pass to, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Coleman, the running back Coleman. Um, yeah. And that's part, of, that's part of the reason why Atlanta's winning because – They've got – Kyle Shanahan's got this thing going with the running backs right now where they're both running and receiving and doing a lot of damage. Uh, they're beating the one-on-one matchup with the linebackers. And, you know, that's what's got them winning ball games. Uh, if you take the running game away from Matt Ryan and you take those running backs out um, in the passing game, uh, you really have got Atlanta where you want them again, where Matt Ryan's going to start have to stay in that pocket for three and five seconds and wait for Julio Jones and wait for those other receivers to get, you know, Sanu and the rest to get open. And that's when your pass rush should be able to get them. Now, whether yeah. the Saints can do that or anybody else, I'm not outside of Minnesota, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, I would say the Vikings are the team to beat, but I've seen that team before too. I saw a team from 1987 yeah. to 1992 in New Orleans. That's who they are. There are yeah. a great defense with great special teams and an offense that's ball control based where the quarterback just manages the game and doesn't make mistakes. And uh, he's going to run to it. And if something happens to, if something happens to Sam Bradford, I, I sincerely <clears> believe if Sam Bradford, for some reason, is taken out of the equation, that team is gone. I will go one step further. Again, if that defense cannot stop a team for whatever reason, you know, and Bradford has to get into a, score, a scoring match or a shootout, they can't do it. They, he won't be able to keep up to that. Uh, they don't have the weapons to do that. Uh, but the thing is that defense is damn good, and it's because Mike Zimmer is a defensive yeah. coach. And he's doing exactly what Jim Moore did. He's to an extent. He's doing what um, what uh, Carolina did last year, where it's you know the defense just keeps making plays that keeps the offense in the game, keeps the score under twenty points, does all the little things it takes uh, to play that kind of ball control conservative offense and get it to work. And they're doing this without Adrian Peterson, which is even more impressive. So, but. Well, for, gonna, for now, it is what it is, and and yeah. Um, as far as as far as I'm concerned, at this point in time, five weeks into the season, Minnesota is absolutely the team that yeah. everyone should be aiming at because they're the best in the NFC at this point. Yeah, and because of that, they have a home field advantage in that new stadium and everything else. So, uh, it's amazing yeah. winning does. Winning gives you an unbeatable home field advantage. Seattle works in Seattle, worked in Kansas City. So, uh, which brings worked us in up New Orleans to, in two thousand. Yeah, worked. 
2011, 2013, we're undefeated at home in those two years. Um, but here we go. We're, we're, uh, we're going to hit what was supposed to be the toughest part of the schedule for us, uh, Carolina, Kansas City, Seattle, San Francisco, and Denver, and Carolina one more time. Well, we've already kind of yeah. beat up Carolina, so they're not what we thought they were. <laughs> Kansas City, um, great ribs, love to tailgate that place one day. Uh, but Kansas City, you don't know <laughs> what you're going to get out of them because here they play the Jets – get six turnovers, win that ball game, then go to Pittsburgh, who got blown out by the Eagles the week before. They get blown out. Um, you know, Andy Reid is the uh, is the uh, less miles of clock management in coaching. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't know what you're going to get out of that because I think if you can get Kansas City – Again, this all has to do with our defense being able to get off the field on third down, which is a big if. Sure. But Kansas City, I think, is one of those teams that if you put the pressure on them and they feel like they've got to score every time to, to keep up with you, uh, the game won't be as difficult as you think it may be, even in our head, which is a tough, tough field to play in. Um, We'll see how we do this week against Carolina and see who starts coming back before I start making predictions. But we're seeing now with Carolina, Kansas City, San Francisco has now made a quarterback switch. Uh, I just saw a great meme um, on third down. They should stop playing the the, uh, national anthem because uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick will take a (laughs) knee or sit down on third down. So I think that's a great idea. Um, but, yeah, the 49ers are not the 49ers of the Jim Harbaugh era. So you're really – your two tough toughest games coming up are the Seattle Seahawks in New Orleans and the Denver Broncos. Uh, and, in New Orleans. In New Orleans again. And the Broncos, you know, what a difference in a quarterback. Uh, Paxton Lynch, Lynch comes in for the quarterback – I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but – the quarterback, Simeon. Who, Simeon, thank you, who had never started the game, uh, had only one pass or one snap, I think, to his credit when he took up when he came in that first game uh, against the Panthers on kickoffs uh, Thursday night. Uh, but you saw a huge difference, and for whatever reason, Atlanta's lousy pass rush could get to could get to Lynch. You know, he took what four sacks. It made, uh, you know, the Falcons have been ripping on um, uh, Vic Beasley as a draft bus. He got four sacks, I think, in that game. So, um, you know, the game, again, it's going to be week to week. Who are the tough teams? You know, uh, we don't know. Uh, This gauntlet would be with a gauntlet you think it is. It's just going to be which team shows up on Sunday. And, and that holds exactly. true not only for the opposition, but for us as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we beginning with uh, Carolina this Sunday? Are we going to see the team that laid an egg in uh, in New York against the Giants? Or are we going to see the team that came out and fought the Raiders uh 
You know, <laughs> we're going to have to play a better brand of football than what we've been playing, obviously. Yeah, we, we have to play four uh, quarters of football on both sides of the ball. Sure. We have not done that yet this season. We played three, three and a half quarters against the Raiders. That was the closest we came to playing four quarters of football was against the Raiders, and uh, it fell apart in the end. Um, well, I, I and, think in all, in all fairness, as far as the Raiders game goes, I think a lot of that falling apart came with the Delvin Bro injury and just not being prepared for what – being prepared for I, I, having I, some – I understand that, but Delvin Bro didn't give up a 75-yard run, and that was one of the that was one of the big plays. And I say 75 yards; I think it was 55 yards actually, but the big run. And uh, you know, it just it was just a collapse all over the place. And uh, sure, yes, Delvin Bro going down was a was a major concern because now you you're pushing Ken Crawley into a starting job, and the Ken Crawley is playing. This Sunday is better than the Ken Crawley that played against the Raiders, but still, you um, you have to get more consistency. I was going to say that the Chargers game we played badly for three quarters and fifty-four minutes of the game. It was the last six minutes of the game they actually yeah. started playing good football. Uh, so we can get those sure. six minutes. We can get the first. 54 minutes from the Raiders game and the six minutes we got from the Chargers game, we actually might have a good yeah. game. You know, we could have a good game sure. there. But um, so do we have a question of the week? Do I really want to hear this question of the week? Or do, we, do you want it? We only have about five minutes left. So I, uh, the only question that we got was from Kevin Jagno. They wanted to know when will Joe Vitt be fired? But I think when uh, probably when Sean Payton walks out the door for the last time, Joe Vitt will be carry his luggage out and then come back in to be the interim coach in his absence. Yes, yes, yes. That is what's going to happen. Um, I think Joe, Joe Vitt is probably the one person in the whole organization that has the treasure trove of compromising photos, uh, cassette uh, recordings of inappropriate behavior. Uh, well, uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, and I tried to find it. There's a Daily Comet, which is a home of newspaper. There's a Daily Comet article, but I could not pull it up because the, they don't they don't archive their stories. But I wanted to get it so badly. It was from 2005 when the Saints retained Winston Moss as linebacker coach. And it was a editorial basically ripping that decision that they had Winston Moss because – and tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. He's never developed a linebacker. Uh, we've had all kinds of draft picks come in as linebackers, and none of them really good. Uh, you know, the, the linebackers have stunk ever since Jim Hazlitt came in. Uh, they on and on, you know, the Not the Dome Patrol and all this stuff. And I said, it's, just, it's almost verbatim when I read about Vitt. And yeah. that's the issue. It's it's a problem the Saints have had for 30 years with the linebackers. Uh, except for Mark Fields and Winford Tubbs, Pat Swilling was the last linebacker they drafted. Actually, was a Pro Bowl player. Uh, Ronaldo Turnbull's defensive end, they turned into a linebacker, had one good season. But it's it's the first player this team ever drafted was a linebacker 
Les Kelly, and they converted him to a fullback. We've had problems forever drafting linebackers, and I don't care who the coach is. I don't care who the GM is. For whatever reason, we cannot figure out a good linebacker, and I don't know why. I really don't. I think Bum Phillips is the last one who who could consistently draft good linebackers, and then he drafts Alvin Tolles in the first round of 1985's draft, and the guy never sees the field, blows out his knee his rookie year, never plays again. Um, But, you know, I I, I don't know. I I, I don't know why we cannot get good linebackers, and I'm telling you, it's it's a much, much deeper problem than Joe Vitt. It's something with this franchise. I don't know. Um, so yeah, you, that's that's my reaction when it comes to Joe Vitt, Joe Vitt, Greg McMahon, <laughs> and Bill Johnson, the, the the terrible threesome. Um, I hear about it all the time, and I'm telling you, <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, I'm telling you, if they fire Joe Vitt, seems to Joe Vitt seems to be the uh, when all else fails, blame Joe Vitt. Yeah, Joe Vitt, Joe Vitt, honestly, is the guy who is Sean Payton's right-hand man. He's the one that makes the schedule out for the practices. He's the one that organizes all these things. He's the one that gets the, you know, he's a sounding board for Sean. Um, Sean treasures his advice about everything. Um, and he's the screaming guy. If you watch the highlights of Super Bowl, you know, 44, who is he screaming at when he's talking about Dallas Clark has 122 yards right now? That's not let our best player, their best player beat us. That's a sin. He's yelling at Vit. Okay? And Vit just takes it. He needs a guy to scream at on the sideline. And uh Oh, the the, the banner in the uh the practice facility that hung there for so long, do your job. Mm-hmm. Picture of Peyton grimacing at the camera. Yeah. He was looking at Vit when that picture was taken. Sure. Joe Vit sure. told that. Yeah, I mean, that it, Vitt has a role on the team, and he's not the only linebackers coach. They've got a guy who actually coaches the linebackers, um, and Vitt's kind of like the supervisor, you know, of the whole practice, uh, along with Sean Payton. He's the extra set of eyes for Payton. Uh, so it, it, when you look at this coaching staff, they've got like 20 coaches on the team. You can't just point to one guy and say, okay, he's the problem. Uh, the pass rush expert is actually Brian Young, you know, so it's not Bill Johnston. And if you're going to blame Bill Johnston for the bad pass rush, you've got to also give him credit for the Pro Bowl type the numbers that Cam Jordan put up 93 and Junior Gallette put up in 93. Um, and a guy who used to be the defensive line coach in 2008 is now the head coach at LSU, Coach O, Orgeron. He came in, and he's the one that told the Saints to draft Cedric Ellis because he coached Cedric Ellis at USC. So, you know, it, it, it's it, it, the problems, you know, there's a lot of hands in these in these failures and these weaknesses and stuff. And, you know, they, replacing the scouting department, replacing the coach, replacing the, uh, the, the guy who does the picking now with Jeff Ireland. That's a good first step, and I think let's let's get better players on this team and then see what happens from there because Craig Robertson, obviously, you can't possibly credit the Cleveland Browns coaching staff, his five different coaches he's probably had in five years. You can't just credit those guy, that guy for developing Craig Robertson into a good player. You have to give some credit to, to 
to vit for that. So, okay, we uh, we're gonna have to cut out of here because um, yes, we we're are. We're on the next podcast. Yes, um, next week we uh, we we dissect what went right and what went wrong against the Carolina Panthers. Hopefully, we are celebrating a win. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to get to two and four and just bury the Panthers season at one and five. That would be uh, very appealing to me. Um, oh, one and six, actually. No, no, they're one and five. They'd be one and five. Um, but, uh, and, you know, let us start facing this, this gauntlet with, uh, with a winning streak. Um, yeah, we, uh, we absolutely need it. And then take it as it comes. I mean, <clears throat> Uh, from week to week, these these next five, well, actually, yeah, five opponents. Uh, from one week to the next, they look like different teams anyway. We'll just take them as they fall. Hey, Seattle's got uh, – Russell Wilson's got a strained MCL, an ankle sprain, and God knows what else. Uh, you know, he may not even be starting by, uh, by the time we play them. So, who knows what happens, what, what team shows up that day. Um but anyway, let's let's just focus on Carolina this week. Get the win. Uh, That's right. Know, this game's a home game, so let's start restart a dome domination again. Um, until next time, join us uh, for Under the Dome, same bat time, same bat channel, uh, and you'll find us on iTunes as well. And um, did I miss anything? Oh, follow us on Twitter. Um, Under the, the Dome, PO one. There we go. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter. And then, of course, check us out in the New Orleans Saints group, uh, Facebook group, um, where I, I'll i be putting some history stuff up again this Thursday. I try and do it every Thursday, uh, giving us the 50th anniversary of the team. Uh, until next time, though, good night, everybody. Thank you, guys. We love you.